continue with this new man. We are actually kind of towards the end of this. Um, the next couple of weeks, we're going to obviously take a, a little bit of a hiatus from it. And I'm going to introduce a new idea inside of this today. But before we do that, I want to recap kind of where we've been. And I want to go back to the beginning. And I think it's important that we go back and we talk about it because we cannot forget the little steps it took to get to where we are today. And the most important thing that we have to understand is that this new man concept is really what will revolutionize your walk with God. When you realize that you are no longer that old person, but you have been created new in Christ, it will set you free. As a matter of fact, when the enemy tries to bring things to your mind of things that you once had done, it will be absolutely irrelevant because it won't impact you anymore. And so the first thing that we talk about with this new man is that who created this new man? Was it you? Was it based off of things that you could do? Did you bring something to the table that make this happen? No, of course not. That you were created by God, but in the image of of God. When you look at that in the original language, even in, the, in Genesis, it, it, it talks about becoming God's imagers. God's plan for mankind was that they would be his representative, his imagers. It's like a, a mere picture of himself. I know you all can read that, right? That's, that's really fancy, isn't it? But we're created in the image of God by God. That's it. It's, it's, it's like you have to understand that that man inside of you is no longer the same. He's dead. He's gone. This outer man, yeah, he likes to buck the system a little bit. But that inner man, he desires the things of God, which before you didn't. People don't desire the things of God. There might be a piousness and religiosity that comes along, but it's, it's a matter of, of this new man. It's like, I want the things of the Lord. Go read Romans 7. If you ever get a chance, just go and read it. It's like Paul's having a stroke or something. Paul's like, the things that I want to do, those are things I don't do. But the things I don't want to do, those are things I'm doing. He's talking about this battle that goes on between the new man and this old man, this, this, this skin bag that he's got on the outside. And you read that and you're like, Paul, are you okay? Like you've been in that prison a little too long. Is it hot in there? Are you thirsty? Like it's going to be okay. But to become this new man, we got to understand that we're creating the image of God. But how did we get there? Well, it wasn't based off of what we can do. It's by God's what? His grace, right? That's it. His unmerited favor that he said, listen, if you'll receive me, then you will be this new man. All you got to do is receive what Jesus did. He died on the cross for our sins. And that was it. But how do we receive that grace? It's by doing good works, right? We go and do good things. We give money to the church. Uh, we help the poor. We walk little old ladies across the street, right? No, it is through faith. Excuse me. Haru. I can spell. I went to public school. We're okay. It's grace through faith. What is faith? We talked about faith for several weeks. What is faith? It is simply the believing and trusting in God. It's by faith we have been saved, or by grace we have been saved through faith. Faith is the mechanism that we receive God's grace, His unmerited favor. It's that we put our belief and our trust in Him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why? Because he who comes to Him must come to and believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So we have to come to Him by faith. Faith comes by hearing and accepting what you hear is truth. Faith is not a church word. It's one that we use 
But it's all over the place. You have faith in things outside of God. So, we are created in the image of God, which happened by believing in God, what He did, what Jesus did. But what happens at that moment is that we are now, we're filled with the Spirit. The Spirit of God comes to dwell inside of us. He comes to live inside of us. He comes to guide us, if you will. It's like the, 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 the Spirit of God is, it's like we are now the temple of God, is how, how the Bible says it. That before, God was in, the, He's seated on the throne inside of that physical temple, but now we are the temple not made with hands. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Think about that for a minute. If you are the temple of God and you are moving around, do you really want to take God to all those places that maybe He wouldn't want to be at? It should make us think a little bit as in our decision-making process. Like, in the back of our mind, we know that God's with us all the time, but yet, maybe it doesn't impact our decision-making. So we're filled with the Spirit of God. God is dwelling inside of us. That's what we're talking about, asking Jesus into your heart. We are now that temple, which is great. But then he said, I'm going to give you another tool. I'm going to give you something. This is so important. Listen, disciples, I, this is so important that I need you to hang out in Jerusalem for a few days. Like, just, just hang out there. And the Father's going to send the Holy Spirit, just like He promised. He's going to send Him. So now, we can be what? Baptized. That's a Z. In, in the Spirit. Or with the Spirit. This is where the signs, wonders, and miracles come and these are all things that we've talked about, not necessarily in this order. We are baptized in the Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit is upon us. Now we can do the things that Jesus did. Now we can do the things that the apostles did. They did not end. It did not stop. If we are not seeing the things of the Spirit move today, then we need to question ourselves and not our Bibles. We don't need to question God. God, why aren't you doing? Because He promised. And if He keeps one promise, He's going to keep them all. Because He's either a liar or He's not. The Bible is either true or it's not. So we can be baptized with the Spirit. And you're going to see here in a moment that it's if you ask Him. So we don't have to be, but we can be. And then we've seen this. That when we are, we we're filled with the Spirit, we're born again and things like that, and we can operate in these signs, wonders, and miracles. What did He say? He said, listen, now i got a job for you. It's called the Ministry of Reconciliation. I'm just writing ministry for the sake of not having to misspell that word. Why chance it, you know? And let you all laugh at me and, and mock me under your breath, I know. The ministry of reconciliation, what is that? It's that God was in us, pleading through us that you might become saved. To tell the world that God himself has come in flesh. And that if you believe in him, that you'll not perish, but you'll have everlasting life. Telling the world that God is real, that God is alive. Is it our job to convince them? No, it's our job to tell them. That's where our responsibility lies. So we're created in the image of God. When we come to God and receive His grace through faith, and at that moment, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us because we are the temple, and then we can be baptized in the Spirit if we choose to be. We don't have to be, but that, that is how God told His disciples to do it. I don't know why we'd want to do anything else. And then with that comes a responsibility, the ministry of reconciliation. And then last week, if you remember, we talked about this word that is so misunderstood in the church. We are anointed. When we looked at this, we got to understand what it is. We are anointed with what? The Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit comes upon us. We are anointed with it. What does anointed mean? We are set apart for service. You can't be more anointed. You can't be less anointed. The anointing doesn't fall. Things aren't anointed. There aren't anointed songs. There aren't anointed musicians. We are all anointed with the same spirit. We may have different giftings. We may have different callings. But it's the same spirit upon all of us that we are anointed with. We are set apart for service. We watched that as we went through the Old Testament. That the prophets, the priests were all anointed with the oil. The oil was poured upon them. They were now set apart for the use of God. That things were anointed, set apart for temple use in the worship of God, you and I are now anointed by God, set apart from what? From the world. You see, Israel was set apart from every other nation. The things of the temple used by God, they had to be holy. They were set apart for use in the worship of God. You and I are set apart as individual from this world. Yes, we're in it, but we're not of it. Our home is in heaven with God, and so we are set apart by God. But it all comes back to what? We've got to be the new man. If we're not the new man, then all of this is just filthy rags. None of it exists. If we're not born again, I don't care what you say, what you do, you are not right with God. You might be the best person on the planet, but until we give our hearts to Christ and make Him our Lord and our Savior, not one or the other, but both, none of this is applicable. None of it. And it's hard to believe that. And it's hard to accept that. Because in the world we live in, we talk about, man, I just, I want to do good things. I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Go on the streets and talk to somebody. It's like, do you believe in a, a, a heaven, some sort of concept of an afterlife? Most people will say yes. You'll have some that'll say no. And then if they answer yes, then the question next is, is like, well, how do you get there? Well, I'm a good person, and I'd like to think that if, if God is real, that he would let me in. And yet God said, hey, guess what? You ain't good. None of you are good. You all suck. That's what he says. That's the message version of the Bible, but it's there. I mean, we're not, you think about that. If God's the standard of good, right? Have you ever compared your children to somebody else's children? Or, or let me put it this way, okay. Like, you'll, have, you'll be sitting at a restaurant. This happens to us quite a bit, actually. I'm surprised by this. And somebody will come up and say, like, I just want to tell you, your kids are so well-behaved. And I'm like, compared to what? Come home with me. Right? But I mean, what are we, we're comparing to one another. We're comparing our kids to somebody else's kids. We're comparing our abilities to somebody else's ability. Yeah, okay, one might be better than the other in the eyes of the world. But in the eyes of God, it's all for naught because we do not meet his standard. We can't be good. So God has anointed us and set us apart. We talk about the anointing falling in church. It's not the anointing. There's not multiple anointings. It's the Spirit of God falling. We're just using the wrong words. We're getting to the same point, but we're just using the wrong words. We're anointed. We're set apart. So we are this new man. We're created with God. But guess what? There's one last thing that we have not talked about in depth yet. And I think we have to. Because the day and age that we live in is something that the church no longer walks in. It's something that's been lost through time because we have a very weak and meek church. The body of Christ, those born-again believers, do not recognize this. They don't look at it as something that we have or something that we do. But really, all of it comes into this one thing. If we are God's ministers, we are His ambassadors, if you will, that comes with a certain amount of authority. And it's the authority of the believer. There's been hundreds of books written on this, but I'll tell you what. 
you do not see the church walk in the authority. Do we have authority over our fellow man? Nope. We have authority over the uh, principalities and the things, the, the rulers of the air and, the, and, the, and the, the, the darkness of this world. We have the authority over that, but we don't walk in that authority. We're going to just introduce this idea today, and I'm going to kind of show it to you, but after, you know, the next couple of weeks, we'll be doing something different, and I just wanted to touch on it today, but we're going to get into a little bit more in depth, because honestly, guys, I'm glad that we're born again. That's important. It is important. I really am, and I really mean that, and I'm glad that we can recognize how we get there. It's, it's, it's so important, because there is no other way, and then I'm glad that we're filled with the Spirit, and I'm even glad that you're baptized in the Spirit, but if you don't do nothing with it, What's the point? Yeah, you'll get into heaven. That's great. But it's like, if that was God's intention. I mean, you look at what he told Adam when he created Adam. He said, listen, Adam, here's what I need you. I need you to tend the garden and keep it. What does tending mean? Work it. He gave him a job before he gave him a family. He later makes his wife and he says, hey, make me some babies, would you? And Adam, being a good man, is like, you got it, boss. I'm all over that. Right? You see, it, but he, was, he said, listen, you're, you're here for a purpose, Adam. Like, he didn't have to weed the garden or anything like that. He didn't have to water it, but he had to expand it. Because remember, the garden was planted eastward in Eden, right? It was one portion. It was after everything was created. And so he said, listen, I need you to expand this. I need you to keep it. Guess what he's telling us to do today? Go into all the world and make disciples. And what do we do? Well, we talk about it. Because the reality is we're not fully persuaded that we are able. The reason we talked about the anointing in the way that we did is because you've got to understand that if you're a child of God, then you are anointed. You maybe can't sing well. Maybe you can't get up and preach. Maybe you stumble when you're trying to talk to somebody about the Lord. That's irrelevant. You're anointed by God. You are set apart for His service. Maybe we start acting like that. And maybe we start walking in the authority that God has given us. You guys with me so far? Can I get a big amen? We need to do that. Okay, all right. Let's start off here. Let's go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, in verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. What things? Well, read Luke chapter 9, you'll find out. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also, and he sent them two by two before his face in every city and place where he himself was about to go. Now picture this. They're buddying up, right? It's the buddy system. They're holding hands and they're skipping from town to town. I hope that's not how it happened. But, but, but they're pairing them up. And what, where is he sending them? Before him. They're, he's about to go there. There's 70 of them. Okay? Then he said to them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, is that still true today? Is there a great harvest out there? Boy, I hope so. There's been a lot of seed planted. There's been a lot of seed watered. But somebody has to go. When he says pray to the Lord of the harvest that he send out laborers, we're praying to God that he sends out people, right? Who does the work of God on this earth? People. It's all us. Can we choose to not go? Yeah, we can choose not to go. In fact, we do many times. We'll make a million excuses to why we can't go do something instead of just going and doing it. I don't want to get sidetracked. Verse 3. 
Go your way, behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. That's typically not a good thing to be, right? Like if there's a whole pack of wolves, you know what you don't want to be? You don't want to be a lamb, right? You want to be a bear. Okay. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, or sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things as they set before you. And heal the sick there. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So is the kingdom of God about healing the sick? I'd say so. They're tying the two things together. He didn't say pray to God that if it be thy will that they would be healed. He said you go heal the sick. How can he do that? Well, he gave them some authority, right? And how did they act upon that authority? Well, they believed him and God's grace was upon them. Let's go on. Verse 10, but whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out from the streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, the kingdom of God has come near you. Hey, guess what? Those that don't believe he's come near. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in the day of Sodom than for that city. Woe to you, Therese, and woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago sitting in sackcloth and ashes. What mighty works is he talking about? Bethsaida is where they fed the 5,000. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon than the judgment for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. He who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, uh, rejects him who sent me. Look at this, guys. How can they reject God if they didn't go and tell them? By rejecting God's ambassador, Jesus' ambassador, he's their representatives of Christ, going before him, by rejecting them, they're rejecting Jesus. And by rejecting Jesus, they're rejecting the Father who sent him. But where did it start? It started with the individuals going, acting on behalf of Jesus, with the authority of him. You guys see how this is, how this is playing out? Okay. Now, did they have a choice to go? Yeah, they had a choice, right? Where did the 70 come from? You ever ask that? Because he hung out with 12. Where did he get 70? Guess what? People were following him all over the place. There were more disciples. They just weren't the disciples, the future apostles. These were converts along the way, people that had given their faith in Christ and believed that he was the Messiah. So he sent them out. They had a choice in the matter, but they chose to walk in the authority that God had given them. Okay, let's look at verse 17. So they go out, now they're coming back. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Look how excited they are. Because now they're walking out in this authority of God saying, Hey, Jesus, you're not going to believe what just happened. Like, like them demons, those pesky things that like mess with us and stuff. Like, they're subject to us in your name. Because what name were they out there acting upon? The name of Jesus. 
So it's in his name, right? Okay, so Jesus is like, well, don't be shocked by that. I mean, that's kind of how it works. It's supposed to be. It's like when you go out to your car and you turn the key. And you don't get all excited when it starts because it's supposed to start. And you get irritated when it doesn't because you expect it. Okay, he said, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Is he telling you to go out there and squash bugs and snakes? No, he is not. All right? I have, guys, please always read the Bible in context. That's all I'm asking. I've watched people say, you know why he said that? He said, them scorpions, and things are nasty. And he, they, were, they, were, they were created by the devil. This is a sermon I've heard. And he said, and we don't like them snakes because them snakes are the ones that made us fall in the first place. And he said, so we're supposed to go out there and squash them. This is in the backwoods of West Virginia, so bear with me, okay? I could have said Iowa, but it was in West Virginia where this happened. They were snake handling churches. Okay, anyway. And so they would get up and they would take the authority of Jesus and they would go and trample on scorpions and snakes. And I got news for you, that's not what he's talking about here, okay? Because what does he say in the next breath? And over all the power of the enemy. All the power of the enemy. Not some. Not some of the power. It's all of it. Now you can ask what power does he have? Well, we'll get there. Give me a minute. And then he says, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Is he talking physically? Yeah. Is he talking spiritually? Yeah. How do we know what these scorpions and these serpents are? Well, you jump to the next chapter. Luke chapter 11, verse 11. If a son asks for a bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent instead of a fish? If he asks for an egg, will you offer him a scorpion? Yeah, like, these are not comparable items here, right? If you, then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? And how do we get Him? we got to ask Him. That is not referring to the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That is referring to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you don't ask Him, He ain't going to pour it out on you. You can choose and choose not to have it. But we see this comparison here. He's talking about, because one of the things that you, you may have heard this today, and you will definitely, if you're here on Wednesday night, we'll hear it, um, we'll talk about that, is that that baptism in the Holy Spirit stuff, like, you know, where you might pray in tongues or and stuff like that, that's of the devil. You don't, you don't want none of that. Like, you should stay away from that. And you notice that he uses the same analogy of serpent and scorpion here. And he says, no, he'll give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him. So he's not going to give you something that's not of God. He uses that same here, the very next chapter, essentially the very same breath in which he's teaching before as he is comparing to the power of the enemy. You see, God will give us the Holy Spirit. Do we need that Holy Spirit? Oh, my goodness, yes. Can we walk in the authority of Jesus without it? Not very well. Not very well. Now, you notice that these guys weren't baptized with the Holy Spirit. However, the authority was given them. That authority comes with Jesus. What authority did Jesus have on the earth before the baptism of the Holy Spirit? He did no miracles. There's, that's not a coincidence, guys. Now, when we look at these words authority here, the word authority is exogia, is how you say it. And then power, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. Some of your versions in King James Version says, I give you power over the power. But it's talking about the authority over the power, which is where the word dunamis comes from. Dunamis is the same word where he says, I give you power. And he's talking about the power of the enemy. But when we see this word authority and we look at what it is, it is delegated power. Delegated power. Now, think about this for a minute. 
Because remember what we talked about. We are the new man. We're created in the image of God because we believe that God's grace. And so we're filled with the Spirit and we're baptized with the Spirit if we choose to be. But then comes that ministry of reconciliation. What does that imply? It implies this authority that Luke is talking about. So let's go back because we read this for several weeks. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 12, for we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give the opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. If we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. I'll stop there, I'm not going to get sidetracked here, but ask yourself, are you really living for Him? Because that is the point. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know Him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself not imputing their trespasses to them, and is committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, or because of this, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. And how is that? In Him. What's the center of all of this? It's not actually you. It's the one that you're created in the image of. The center of all of this is Jesus. He says that we are his ambassador, that we have authority delegated from the one in whom we represent. Okay? Now let me give you some examples of this. This is stuff that you know, but you maybe never thought of. You ever seen a cop? What is the representative on them that, of the authority that they have? What's the one thing? It's their badge. Right? That badge is a representative of the authority within the confines of the law that they act on behalf of the one in whom they represent, which is who? The government. Right? That means if you are breaking the laws in which the government laid out that they are within their delegated authority to arrest you for or write you a speeding ticket. Okay? Anybody in here ever had a speeding ticket? Just one, right? right. Yeah, I noticed no hands went up, okay? <laughs> Y'all are liars. You need to repent, all right? Yeah, I know. You're like, uh, maybe, maybe one. And in that moment where you're thankful that they were officers representing the government that is ordained by God according to Romans 13, you're like, well, thank you, officers, so much for being right there where I happen to be speeding. I never speed, never. But you caught me today, and you taught me a, a positive lesson in which I will happily pay this fine. Does that happen? No, it does not, Right? You're sitting there like, that cop was a jerk. What's wrong with that guy? I was only going 25 over. <laughs> Female cop. <laughs> oh, okay, it was a, there you go. Couldn't sweet talk your way out of it? <laughs> it's a shame. Well, you'll have to go get another one and see if it... Okay. Now, my brother was a cop. He was, a, he was an officer, and he begged me for, forever. He said, I want you to go on a ride-along with me, which is where you sit in the car... And you ride along with him. So all the fun stuff that goes on with being a cop. You could, now, did I have any delegated authority? No, I'm in the cop car. I had nothing. He wouldn't let me touch the gun. He wouldn't let me play with the radio. And he wouldn't give me a taser. So I'm thinking, why am I here? This is not fun. 
and we cruised around for hours. This is a night shift, okay? I'm like, surely this is not what you do every night. And he said, well, yes, sometimes. I'm like, okay, this is extremely boring. And uh, he refused to pull anybody over that wasn't going 11 miles an hour over. Now, I'm not telling you that's everybody's limit, but that was his limit. I'm begging him, like, if they're going two over, let's nail them. Like, let's get these guys. If they're thinking about going over, let's just go ahead and pull them over for the fun of it. He wouldn't do it. And so, um, in, in my desperation, he said, let's, let's have some fun. So those of you who have been up to Nebraska City, that's where he was, um, you know, heading, heading west on Highway 2. It's a divided highway. So he said, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go sit in the media, and it's dark out. They're not going to be able to see me. We'll nail somebody. I'm like, okay, uh, that sounds good. So he's facing west, and all of a sudden, this car comes, and you see him coming from the east, and it's kind of looping around. And he, I think speed limit 65, is that right? Does that sound right? What is it? I think, the, I don't remember where it was. It's either 55 or 65, whatever it was. This guy, this cat's going like 65, and he's, he's coming, he's 70, and then it's 75, and I'm getting all excited. I'm like, yeah, we're going like, to throw this guy in jail. And then he comes in, he gets to 80 and all of that, and, he's like, and I'm like, okay, we're going to get, he's like, oh, we're going to nail this guy. And I'm all excited because finally something, I'm talking six hours, y'all, of doing nothing. And it's, it's like I could be sleeping. Anyway, so he's coming around, and right as he's getting close, my brother turns on his lights, and so does that guy. It was a state trooper friend of his that knew he was sitting there. I was not happy. In fact, I almost performed a citizen's arrest on both of them. Needless to say, that state trooper had pulled up there to talk, and he had stopped at somebody's house, and they were having a birthday party, and they gave him what was left of the cake, and so he and my brother shared a cake for an hour and a half. And at that point, I'm like, just take me back. I'm going home. This is, this is nuts. Now, what does that story have to do with anything that I'm talking about? Nothing. I just like that story. Misuse of authority. There you go. Yeah, you know, and, 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 and on that same breath that you say that, because when he first became an officer, if I was driving through the area, he'd just pull me over because he could. You know, and of course, I, there was one time I'm, I'm heading up to Omaha to Menards, and he pulls me over. I'm like, hey, what's going on? He's like, oh, nothing. I just want to say hi. I'm like, I have a phone. You can call me. And I was always tempted to just gun it and run from him. But I was never 100% sure it was him or that he didn't have a supervisor with him saying, you know, hey, congratulations. You're having a, uh, a rectum exam today. So, but that authority is represented by the badge, right? That badge tells you that they have an authority. Does anybody have like a, a, any money? I didn't bring any cash. Like a $20 bill or something happen to have one on them I can just use for just, just a quick second because I want you to see this. Anybody? You have one? Oh, oh back here. Oh, it's a 50. That's even better. No, that'll work. Perfect. Okay, thanks. So moving right along. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, know the, you know the serial number. This feels a little thin. Did you print this at home? Okay. Now, this, this, I meant to grab some in all seriousness, and I forgot. My wife takes all my cash. So, um, but, but what is this? What is this value? It's actually worth nothing. It's worth paper, right? But because it's got the seal of the government on here, it's got the serial number which can be traced, and all of that, that you can go and spend this item somewhere, Right? 
You can give this to somebody, and then they can go do it. That, this is an authority of the government that represents fiscal responsibility. <laughs> wow, I just said fiscal responsibility and government in the same breath. Okay, let's back up a little bit. This represents something, right? It represents that you have the ability to go spend $50 worth of stuff from the government. If you don't have this, can you walk into a store and just take stuff? No, because you'll find that other delegated authority we were talking about a little bit ago, right? But it represents something. This tells the world that you have $50 worth of buying power wherever you take this. This is good anywhere you go. I better not, Paul. <laughs> anywhere you go. And because we're American, that thing actually carries a lot of weight pretty much anywhere in the world. It's worth something. There's a delegated authority that goes along with that. One more thing. This right here. Driver's license, right? What does this tell somebody? Well, it tells them who you are. tells them how old you are, right? You can use this. If you get pulled over, what, do you, what does this tell them? You have the ability to drive. You are a legally uh, licensed driver. There's authority that is represented in this. You guys see what I'm saying? I know these are like simple illustrations, but I want you to get it. Because as a believer in Christ, what is the representative authority that we have delegated to us? What is the one thing that tells the world that we have the authority of Christ? Never thought about that, did you? It's the Holy Spirit. And how do we show the world that authority? Through the signs, wonders, and miracles. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because think about that. What did the 70 do? They went out there. They healed all the sick. Hey, the demons are subject to us. What were they doing? They were demonstrating through the power that God had given them, the authority that Jesus had given them. What did the apostles do? They went into a new city. Paul, as an example, would go and preach in the synagogue. And then he would demonstrate with signs, wonders, and miracles the authority given him by God. Has that changed? No. But has it changed? Yes. You see, the Holy Spirit's our validation. How did they know, when, when you read through the books of Acts, how did the apostles know that the Gentiles were received into the body of Christ? They spoke in tongues as the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they were baffled by it. Peter's like, how can we say that they're not? They, they got the same spirit we did. How did he know that? Because they acted on it. They spoke in tongues. Do they become spirits of the Holy Spirit or puppets? No, of course not. They had to open their mouth and talk. And yet today the church doesn't act like it has any authority over anything in this world. And yet today we're under a new and better covenant than those 70 were. But we don't walk in that authority. We don't act like we have a role to play in this world. We don't act like any of that stuff. And I'm going to share with you guys stories as we get into this of authority taken by believers in different situations, in different areas of the world. It's, it's, it's pretty powerful. So why is that? Why is the church so weak and powerless today? I mean, you ever think about why we don't do this and why this is, is where we are? Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because why? They've rejected knowledge. We don't need to read the last of it. This is talking about the nation of Israel, but look at us today. It's the body of Christ destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Part of it, but how do they get there? Because they've rejected the truth. See, we don't want to be, we don't want to be everything that the word tells us that we can be. We just kind of want, we want to take Jesus and we want to just throw him in our back pocket. We want to add him to our life. And you're like, yeah, okay, that's great. 
Yeah, I'm a Christian. As if that's the whole purpose of Jesus dying was simply so that you could be born again without any implications of what you should do after that. Even though he specifically said what you should do after that. John 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Who is the truth? Jesus. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And yet, if we don't know the truth of the word, then how can we act on it? If we don't know that we have authority, how can we act on it? You see, we walk around, you know, like hiding in the corner. It's almost like we don't want people to know the authority that we have. Because there are two parts to this. Knowing where the authority comes from is part number one. Where's that come from? That comes from God. Right? Trusting in God. That's part number one. We've got to know about it. Because if we don't know about it, then we'll never do it. Like if you, think about this, okay? I'll tell you a story. There was a guy, um, this was several, I mean, this is back in the, probably around the turn of the century, I think. I read this story years ago of a guy, and he lived like a miser. He was poor. He lived in a place, I think he was paying three bucks a month or something for rent. That tells you how long ago this was. I mean, it was, it was some time ago. And I mean, the guy was sick, and he was poor, and he had nothing. Nothing. He, I mean, absolutely nothing. He, he would often beg for money and things like that. He had been given a box by his, his, his relative. Somebody had given him. And after this man died, people were going through the stuff, and there was a false bottom at this box, and somebody happened to discover it opened up. $23,000 in there. Think about what that was worth back then. $23,000 a day won't hardly buy you a car. But back then, so he was always rich. He just didn't know. He had no idea. I'll give you another example. We had a tenant, okay? I owned some rental houses and stuff. We had a, an older gal that was a tenant, and she just wasn't quite all there. Nice gal and stuff, but we were trying to help her out and, and get her, you know, some stability in her life. And um, she was just a mess, and we'd done everything that we knew to do for her and helped her out as much as we could and stuff. But she kind of just went off on the deep, and she ended up committing suicide. But part of it was she couldn't keep a job because she'd get mad and she'd quit because she just was unstable. And, and, and we would talk to her, it's like, you've got to work. I mean, it's, uh, listen, I wish at, at 62 years old you didn't have to work, but you have to work. And so and she was just struggling with this. Well, she ended up committing suicide, and uh, her sister gets in touch with us, um, you know, wanting us to pack up her things and things like that. Um, her sister was like a world-renowned pianist. Her brother had worked on the Hubble telescope. There's some intelligence in this family. But not only that, what she didn't know is that there had been money set aside for her that when she turned 65, she'd never have to worry about it again. And she quit early. But she only had to make a couple more years. She didn't know that. And the reason she didn't know that is because the family didn't want her to try to get a hold of it earlier. They were trying to take care of her. Now think about that. What, it was there the whole time. She just had to reach out and take it. I mean, if you were having money problems today and, and, and I wrote you a check for $100,000, would you not feel a sense of relief? Like if everything was a struggle and I wrote you a check for $100,000, I mean, the joke would be on you when you went to cash it, but, but, but suddenly it's be like, okay, because that check represents something, right? Well, in most cases, let's, let's use $10, okay? Let's just something a little more reasonable. If I wrote you a check for $10, depending on the day of the week, it's going to be okay, all right? It'll clear. 
But, but again, it represents something. We just have to reach out and take it. So we've got to know where this comes from. That's number one, trusting in God. But second, we've got to act on it. And that is the part that we play. We don't play the part of when the authority is given. We play the part of when we act upon that authority. It'd be no different that a cop sitting in his car, never pulled anybody over, watches a, a, somebody robbing trails in and stuff, and he just sits there and waits. If he doesn't act on that authority, he is useless to the government. He's useless to you. Let me ask you this. If we don't act on the authority of God, are we useless to the body of Christ? I'll let you figure that out. Look at Ephesians 6. It says, finally, my brother, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Strong how? In the Lord. And whose power? His power. Not yours. What does it say about you here? Be. That's it. Just be. That's the part you bring to the table. But He's telling you to act upon this. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You're representing him. You're his ambassador. 1 Peter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober and be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Okay, he says be sober and be vigilant. Those are two different words we'll get into in another time. Who's our adversary? Is it the government? No. Is it your neighbor? No. This is spiritual we're talking about. Yeah, the government's a problem. Okay. But how's he walk about? Like a roaring lion. He doesn't say he's some lion. He says he's like a rolling, roaring lion, seeking whom he not will devour, but that he might be able to devour. So what do we do? What part do we play here? We resist him. And how do we do that? We're steadfast in the faith. We've got to know. We've got to know the authority that we have. Let's look at another one, 1 John 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God. Little children, and you have overcome them. Who is them? These false prophets, these spirits that we're testing. Because, this is why we've overcome them. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Okay? Who's in the world? False prophets and these spirits that need to be tested. Who's in us? Jesus, the Holy Spirit. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. And he who knows God hears us. Now what did he just say? Those who don't know God may not. 
He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You see, we have a part to play here. But it's not anything. God gives us the authority. Our part is acting upon it. You guys seeing what I'm saying here? Let's look at another one. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We talked about that. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You notice it doesn't say stand against your neighbor. Stand against those who persecute you. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the, high place, in the heavenly place. Excuse me. You see, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, and we say that, but I don't think we believe it. Because the actions we take with the authority we've been given are typically natural and not spiritual. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And then it says, stand therefore, and it goes on. And we'll look at that more in depth later. But guys, what is it, what's our part to play here? Stand. Put on that armor. There's a battle going on, but it's not with one another. It's not with those that are in this world. It's the, the one that's behind that. It's those heavenly hosts of, of wickedness. It's all of that. Guys, you see, again, we have to act upon that authority we've been given. One more, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to his, the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, and to know that the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church of Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Whose might are we strengthening? It's God's. It's God's might. Through His Spirit, where at? In your inner man. Okay? This does not happen and make you bench press 300 pounds. That's not what it's talking about. It's our inner man. Why does He need to be strengthened? Because we have that authority. We've got to act on it. That Christ may dwell in our hearts. How does He do that? Through faith. It's by faith. Belief in Him. And we're rooted and grounded in love. What is love? It's the love of Christ. It's the Christ gave for us that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, and it's according to what? The power, whose power? God's power that works in us. You guys see what I'm saying? This authority, and we'll, we'll get into this in depth, because we're just getting started with this, but we've got to understand this, is that we were not put on this earth to exist. We were put on this earth to reign for the purpose of God. We don't rule over our fellow man. We rule over the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. The Bible is very clear that we act on that authority, spiritually speaking, and not of this world. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. But yet, how do we do it? We don't. We don't. We complain. We murmur. We gripe about the president. We gripe about the Congress. We gripe about whatever's going on around us. We don't turn to God. Show me one example 
of any of the apostles, and even into the Old Testament, some of the spiritual leaders, where their first reaction was not spiritual. You will not find it. Not those who were truly seeking the Lord. You'll see people trying to conjure stuff up and do something on their own, but I'm talking like those who are following God. They immediately turned to God because they knew where the answer lied. We have an authority in this new and better covenant. We've been given it by Christ. I say it's time for the church to start acting on it. So as we go, and we'll get here in, in, in the next few weeks, guys, we're going to look at this very in depth because this is what the church is missing today. We want to see signs, wonders, and miracles. We want to be able to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. If you didn't know you could do that, would you? If you had no confidence in how God's going to respond to that, would you be willing to do it? What makes a cop confident? He knows where the authority comes from.